0: in the name of the crucified and risen Christ. Here's something Jesus never said. It's all good. Here's another. No worries. Nope, never said that. He was pretty darn good at speaking in ways people could understand. And he used stories filled with images and experiences from everyday life, But those phrases, or whatever the first century equivalent was, those he never uttered. Why? Because God so loved the world that God couldn't bear to let the way of the world stand unchallenged or unchanged. It was not all good, not by a long shot. Now, today is often known as Good Shepherd Sunday, and we read the 23rd Psalm, which begins with the familiar words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Many churches contain a stained glass window, portraying Jesus as the Good Shepherd, with a lamb slung around his shoulders, a lamb being carried to safety. But the lamb needs to be carried to safety, and the psalm talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, because the world of sheep, and we are the sheep, in those images, is not safe. Sometimes we get to know that, not just intellectually, but viscerally. To be in New York City and the surrounding suburbs now is to know that death, through COVID-19, is near to hand. Nearly 35 members of the congregation have been ill or are still recovering, though thankfully recovering, and one has died from COVID's complications. But in New York City itself, nearly 14,000 people have died, and more than 172,000 people have been confirmed to have contracted COVID-19. Turns out you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even on a beautiful Sunday morning. No worries, no chance. But if these days have brought the reality of physical death into sharp relief, they have also given us a clearer than we would like view of the brokenness of our world. The death toll in New York City is relatively low in Manhattan and shockingly high in Queens and in the Bronx and highest of all in communities of color, whether we are talking about Chicago, New York, Dallas, or Detroit, which has nothing to do with skin color and everything to do with skin color. Because racism means You are more likely to be poor, and so less likely to have access to medical care, to adequate housing, to good food, and more likely, if you have a job, to have a job that pays minimum wage. That's $15 in New York, and we can do the math. That won't support a family, and the minimum is far less in other states. All that puts you on the front lines of this illness. Because even if you're lucky to have that minimum wage job, that means you're likely to be a healthcare aide, or maybe a custodian in a nursing home. Maybe you deliver food or are a grocery store cashier. That means, too, your child is less likely to have an iPad or the laptop to make remote schooling possible. And if you are a lucky parent who has an essential but underpaid job, that also means that no one's home to help with that schoolwork. No worries, no chance. But despite everything I have just said, I am here to proclaim good news, truly. But before I or anyone else can do that, We have to know what the news is, what the world looks like. This virus, this novel coronavirus, has let us all see some things clearly, including that essential workers are certainly doctors and nurses and respiratory technicians, but also janitors and doormen, delivery people and cashiers. Even more, and strangely better, the death toll on our collective grief have reminded us that every person is in fact essential, because every person is a child of God, a beloved child of God. For each of whom God sent Jesus, that none of us might perish, but all of us might have everlasting life. Or as Jesus tells us so helpfully in today's gospel, so that we might have abundant life, for the eternal life that God intends for us is not only, or maybe not even most of all, a promise for when we die. It's a promise for right now. In the story Jesus tells about the sheep and the thieves and the bandits and the gate. It's not okay that the thieves break in to kill and hurt the sheep because after all, it'll be all right after they die. Jesus isn't saying that, it's not okay. Their life matters now. Jesus uses this image of the sheep and the shepherd and the sheepfold right after healing a man born blind from birth, an act that so upsets the religious authorities that they cast that man, now healed, out of the synagogue. They excommunicate him, confident that he was blind because he was a sinner, blindness therefore being his own fault. His regained sight upends all their assumptions about who is acceptable, and loved by God, and who is not. And though I am getting to that good news, we must acknowledge that when we think the world works, because it happens to work pretty well for us, and that just a few tweaks will fix the system, we collude with the view that some people are more valuable, more essential, than others because a few tweaks won't come even close. But it does not need to be this way. That is the great good news. It's good news as we look to eternity when the world will be filled with the glory of God as one of our great hymns announces. But it also must be and is and can be good news now if we choose to enter through the gate that is Jesus, if we let the ultimate good shepherd teach us and lead us. That's the story we have from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and the disciples are in Jerusalem and have been blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit coming among them. These are the very same disciples who no one except Jesus ever considered essential for anything. And even as disciples in Jesus' lifetime, they had a pretty mixed record. But now, just weeks after Jesus' death and resurrection, they are changing the world, changing the rules, and making the abundant life manifest, not with promises for eternity, but for now, with a community built around Jesus' love for every person. What does that look like? Time studying the scriptures, hanging out together as one community gathered by Christ, breaking bread together, as those disciples had shared bread and wine with Jesus at the Last Supper and praying. Sounds like church, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Except just before these verses, we learn that 3,000 people had been baptized and joined those first disciples gathered in Jerusalem. This was no close-knit band of 12 or 50 or a few hundred who had gotten to know each other over the years. This was more than 3,000 people brought together by hearing that Jesus loved them, each of them and everyone immediately welcomed as part of the fellowship gathered in Jerusalem. What happened? They were changed and the world was changed. No one lacked for anything. And if someone was in need, others sold what they had to make sure everyone had enough. What did that produce? Glad and generous hearts when they gathered together and when they gathered at home. Because of what this newborn Christian world looked like, more and more joined in. Today, we have our annual meeting and election right after the service. And there is so much to celebrate about our life together. But I believe these days, these days in the midst of a pandemic, and this day can actually call us to a deeper fellowship and a larger life. If we can find the courage and repentance that will let us open our eyes to see every person as essential to God and to us, then we can move from being an inclusive congregation to an expansive one, to a community as committed to justice as we are to compassion. If we can do this, then this will be a day when we follow the Good Shepherd and claim Truly abundant life. May it be so.